It is often believed that people are in control of their own actions, behaviors, and ultimately, their health status. But what if it's not that simple? What if someone wants to eat healthier, but the nearest grocery store is 30 minutes away? They don't have a car, their area does not have reliable public transit, and if buying fast food is cheaper than feeding their family with nutritious and healthy food. The Ottawa Charter defines health promotion as a process of enabling people to increase control over and to improve their health. Unlike medical models for individual health, population health models allow for an examination of the broader context that influence health outcomes. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at the socio-ecological model. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. My name is Gordon, your host for this episode, and I'm here with co-hosts LaShawn, Linda, Sully, and Will. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. So the socio-ecological model is a theory-based framework derived from the ecological systems theory initially developed by Yuri Brofenbrenner in the 1970s. And this was an, an attempt to understand human development and the fields of psychology and sociology. So the theory was illustrated uh, visually as nesting or concentric circles uh, that place the individual at the center surrounded by various concentric systems and these represent the individual levels of influence. There are five levels of influence in the primitive uh, ecological model. They're the microsystem, mesosystem, exosystem, macrosystem, and the chronosystem. So I'll ask each one of you which which one of these levels stood out most to you in terms of spheres of influence. I mean, I think traditionally we would look at the microsystem, right? You're an individual, you're in control of all your actions. And if you have poor health or, you know, you're experiencing an illness, it's because of you, your microsystem, your individual actions. Um, and so traditionally, I think that would be the most influential level. However, personally, I think the chrono system, because those are the factors that decide what you as an individual can choose between. Mm. So I think that though it's the furthest away, those systems tend to be things like policies um, or, you know, the social system that we live in. And that has a very strong influence, but often ignored. Something that I really found interesting as well is the, the meso system, because these are um, factors that are outside of the individual's immediate circle of influence, mm-hmm. but that also have um, you know, a very closely related connection to the individual. And I think that's something that's often overlooked. Yeah, so on that note, so there have since been many derivatives and refinements to this model, um, and we'll focus precisely on the ones tailored for application in public in the public health context uh, for issues like violence prevention, uh, geriatric health, child and maternal health, colorectal cancer prevention, and many more types of uh, levels of prevention for different diseases that affect our population. So what is the rationale behind the socio-ecological model? And how has it been adopted to understand um, health behaviors in terms of health promotion? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. And uh, Will kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, the socio-ecological model really um, is, a, is a framework that looks at the interaction between the individual and its environment, whether it's the community um, or whether it's physical, social and political factors or components. So in, in I guess, the health promotion lens, whenever we have some sort of um, intervention or initiative, we want to make sure that um, we understand that there's a lot of factors at play 
and we could focus on the individual level but moving beyond that there's so many other factors like we mentioned earlier that affect uh, the uptake of a certain behavior or the success of that initiative basically in other words and recognizes that people shape and are influenced by the environments in which they live learn work and play so what does that sound like s d o h social determinants of health so basically in a nutshell the socio-ecological model is a framework to understand how the social determinants of health interact with the environment and the person living in the environment the definition should we end the episode right here (laughs) no because there's a lot more to talk about (laughs) right so ultimately social ecological models or socio-ecological models like everyone's been saying they describe the interactive characteristics of individuals and environments that underlie health outcomes and are often used to inform good public health practice so these ecological or population health models um, like i said emphasizes the importance of social and physical environments that strongly shape patterns of disease and injury, as well as our responses to them throughout our life course. So the socio-ecological model, um, again, is based on the understanding that health is influenced or determined by multiple levels. And But what are those levels that we're referring to? What it, Those levels that we're referring to are um, called the spheres of influence. Mm-hmm. So those spheres of influence, um, some models have four spheres of influence and other models have five like the one refined by and formalized by um, McLeroy in 1988. Those five levels are individual, interpersonal, institutional, community and policy. And we're going to go through them one by one and dissect um, what they really mean and maybe loosely what some strategies are you that are used in public health to target those levels. What are some individual level factors that influences um, someone's ability to be healthy? So I would say this is where the biological factors come into play. No, it's like the um, it's I think this is the immediate um, individual looking at kind of their their genetics, age, sexual orientation, race. um, And it's I would say when people typically think of health, this is these are kind of like the the factors that first come to mind i would say so like individual level protective factors and individual level risk factors yeah and it really goes into also your knowledge attitude beliefs and skills about certain uh, topics or issues because that's going to play a lot a lot of or that's going to play a huge role in terms of how you perceive things and your attitudes towards things and even your behavior yeah and you touched on genetics um epigenetics is something that we're understanding more and more um these days and quite simply basically just refers to alterations or changes in someone's gene expression without actual modifications to their dna sequence and this is often in response to environmental factors like chronic stress so even at the individual level people are being shaped by the environment and this does impact their gene expression and it can impact their interaction with the environment uh, over their life course so that's just one important point as well can you give an example of epigenetics um, mm-hmm. or like something that just to kind of clarify that definition? Right. So so epige- epigenetics, um, just to expand on it a little bit. One example could be um, research has so- shown that people living in, for example, war-torn regions um, experience chronic stress. And this in turn um, almost influences their uh, physiology. So the way they respond to chronic stress, um, they're, you know, certain kind of psychological diseases like PTSD and this 
uh, impacts them throughout their whole life course. So we can see, um, and another interesting point about epigenetics is we're seeing that it, there's evidence that it could be passed from generation to generation. So even the, the children or offspring of these people that were directly influenced by these environments are maintaining those same changes in the, 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 um, alterations in the DNA that doesn't affect the DNA sequence itself. And then those people or children are then interacting with a different environment almost in the same way that their parents did. So their stress response seems to be altered in a long, in a long term way, even though they themselves weren't the ones that experienced the initial trauma. Mm-hmm. And I would say another example would be uh, like that's more relatable would be obesity. So um, the way it affects us is say um if we're talking about like mothers who are pregnant say they eat like um food that's that is, that's not the best in nutritional value and so what the, what happens is that the body thinks that oh i'm living in an environment that is nutrient scarce there's no there's not much food and i need to counteract that by like modifying gene expressions here and there to first um get the mom's body to adapt to the environment and second to prepare the baby to to the environment to come and what happens is that now the uh, the baby comes out to the world and their body is already adapted to like a famine situation right Mm -hmm. so basically what you're saying is the biology allows us to kind of adapt to our environments and in, in situations where survival is not likely or your body has to prioritize surviving this can also be passed down to the child who may not be in that same survival situation but their behavior and actions are tailored to to being in survival mode which doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily fit within the current climate that they're in and those types of behaviors might not be beneficial in an environment where it's it's quote unquote safer where there's more food and and um you know there's less violence and such and such and for all you people in biochemistry, it's uh, based on methylation and acetylation patterns. But the sequence of the DNA doesn't change. It's just correct. added correct. to the surface. So the, yeah, correct, correct, correct. So yeah, I'm, so what I'm are lost. some... <laughs> <laughs> what are some strategies then, given all these examples we provided for individual level risk factors, protective factors, uh, in terms of the sphere of influence of the socio-ecological model, uh, what are some strategies that can be used to address those from that level i think this is what we most commonly see it's you know those campaigns to address knowledge attitudes beliefs for example with healthy eating we're taught you know half of your plate should be fruits and vegetables and then you know a quarter is grains and a quarter is something else and if i'm wrong i apologize to all my nutrition friends but um i think it's often target these are probably the easiest interventions to employ as well, but often it's the ones that are targeted to teaching health behavior so that then the individual would choose differently. Exactly, and something that goes hand in hand with that is an individual self-efficacy. So it's basically a person's ability or uh, their belief in their ability to succeed in a certain situation. So um, if you are able to empower that aspect and uh, make an individual feel comfortable and confident with doing a particular task, that goes a long way. Although, um, you know, fully agreeing with what Linda said, that this is the easiest or most accessible um, level of intervention to target, that also comes with some challenges because depending on the population and you know, the individual's 
um, who are in, I guess, are is who these um, interventions are, are targeted towards, they need to be catered, right? So um, I think with that, that comes a lot of variance and a lot of variety. And you know, with variety, um, it's a lot of times it requires capacity or resources or time and all that stuff. Yeah, and that transitions us perfectly into the next sphere of influence because as you mentioned, one sphere by itself, interventions within one sphere by itself, might not be sufficient enough to create behavior change because of other um, barriers in the in the overall environment. So when we look at something like interpersonal or relation relationship as a sphere of influence, what are some examples of that? So this is you know our formal and informal networks. These are our families, our friends, coworkers, the people nearest us um, who also influence health and health behavior. Mm-hmm. I would say for this at this level, this level is like our first line of defense in terms of uh, health problems and how to um, counter them, how to address them. And your health is, I would say, directly connected to your family, to your friends, to your the relationships you have in your workspace. Um, basically, all the relationships you have, whether people uh, care about you, you care about them. And developing this, like these uh, healthy relationship circles i would say mm-hmm. is um yeah the first line of defense social support yeah yeah mm-hmm. and, and a lot of that it's like a lot of the time individuals are not um in isolation as everyone mentioned they're usually interacting with different people whether it's your parents um people individuals in your household and even if you think about the sphere within your household um, when we're considering that interpersonal aspect we're also thinking about the cultural norms within that household that has impacts on certain behaviors and attitudes so that's something to consider as well and we've talked about how social isolation and loneliness in terms of even substance use and mental health um you know there's a lot of connection there so that's evidence for that level sphere of influence as well yeah just a fun end anecdote i remember when we were doing our mph i think one of like the i guess um the epiphany moments that i had during the program was when i realized that you know social support system Mm. um had such a big role to play in in you know ensuring optimal health and well-being and it was like i think i previously i never realized that the friends or the people that i was in constant connection with directly impacted my health and it wasn't until i realized oh you know without these people it's oftentimes that your social support system gives you the ability to access other aspects um, or other kind of determinants of good health and i think that 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 relates with this model very well right how your relationships kind of impact the individual but also um, connect it with um, higher levels or higher spheres absolutely Mm, you're welcome will (laughs) thank you for all the rides my friends (laughs) yeah so that that also you know building on what we've been talking about um at the institutional or organizational level that has the potential to influence our interpersonal and relationships right so what are some examples of um the organizational sphere of influence or the institutional sphere of influence around us we there's so many different organizations and institutions and they all have their different sort of policies and work culture that they have going for them and if you're an individual working at an institution um, these things are affecting you whether it's um, church whether it's education whether it's the hospital system these are all different uh, institutions that have their own um, 
I guess, political climate, um, environmental climate, and culture that uh, can make or break different aspects of your health. At the individual level, we mentioned that race is a characteristic um, of a person that can be connected to health in some way. But it's not race itself that determines someone for having good or bad bad health, right? So it's the it's the way the institution interacts with um, the person. And if we talk about institution and race, you get institutional racism. So in our systems like healthcare, schools, there is racism. And this racism influences certain races' ability to be healthy and safe in those systems. So that's another way that the institutional level of uh, sphere of influence influences health. And I, I would say now we're getting to a level where like now we're allow this model allows for like such complexity mm-hmm. in in the way we think about um, factors affecting our health. For example, um, institutional uh, the, at the, like the institutional and organizational level, it depends on the interpersonal relationships and the quality of the interpersonal and, and, and relationship level is determined by the institutional organizational level that these relationships exist within. Exactly what you're saying. And I think, um, you know, we're, we made it to the third almost uh, sphere of influence in this model. And we're starting to see all these connections on how the individual, the interpersonal and the institutional levels are so interconnected. And I think that's a reoccurring pattern within this framework. It's the ability to show that in these five um, different spheres, Everything is interconnected. Everything's affecting one another. And that's the importance of this model. It shows the complexities behind considering different aspects rather than the individual level. Yes, it's like a visual representation of the social determinants of health, a visual representation of the relationships between systems and how they impact individuals and impact health. So I think this model has a lot of strengths um, for that visual aspect. Mm-hmm. I also find that now, the third level, it's kind of like the mid midway point. It's almost where um, you get like a mix of both individual um, kind of components, but also mm-hmm. it's when where the policy, like small p policy, mm-hmm. starts to kind of creep in, right? It's like when you're starting to have these more organized um, systems and more organized institutions, you have your rules and your regulations within each of these institutions. Mm-hmm. And these rules, like um, you've all previously mentioned, um, oftentimes it can promote health it can enable better health outcomes and well-being but it, it can also add to you know exacerbating the detrimental effects um, as as seen with systemic racism we're hitting the nail right on the head so what we're really saying here is there's even though we're um, building on the model from in to out so going from the center which is the individual all the way to the outside which is society or policy there is bi-directional influences happening at the same time so it's not that it's only moving outwards. It always move. It, it moves from out to in as well in the way that influence works. So, when we're going from institutional um, outwards, we we touch on the community level sphere of influence. So, what are some level? What are some examples of um, in that level of influence? Yeah, when we're talking about the community level, I just think of it like this, right? We we've talked about the individual level. We talked about individuals like the interpersonal level as well. The people you interact with at work, at your home. We talk about the institutions which make up a part of our community. Now, when we bring that all together and we think about the different synergies that come about that, you create your community norms, your environment, the different factors such as housing, um, your neighborhoods, um, 
and different the different transportation systems and when you think about this on a broader level you can kind of break down how um, for example the transportation system can affect your ability to access certain healthcare systems so um, that's just one quick example of how we would look at this community level sphere mm-hmm. yeah it's a, I think it's a great great starting point foundation for for this um, this sphere and just a, a definition that I have here is that it's defined as the environment um, within defined boundaries for an individual to live in and um, have access to certain resources right so like LaShawn mentioned um, the, your community and the way community is set up and organized and planned directly impacts and facilitates your access to things like housing um, things like healthcare, food um, income education all these social determinants of health or even just aspects that come together to make um, and to influence an individual or population's overall you know well-rounded health and well-being absolutely and that brings us nicely to the outermost um, sphere of influence in the socio-ecological model Um, it's often referred to public policy just policy or even society in general but here the idea is that these are some factors at the you know local state regional national international levels that also has the the, the ability to impact an individual's health so what are some examples of um, societal level influences so these are like the laws and the policies so for example um this is super broad but maybe things like um benefits let's say if you're a lower income um the amount of funding for example that a government would allocate towards social support um that greatly impacts a person's you know the community that they would live in it impacts the kinds of institutions they have access to it impacts the um, types of interpersonal relationships that they may have which then impacts the individual choices and this is all because of a super upstream policy that determines how much funding is allocated towards social support for example and another point is that um you know when people say health is political i think this sphere really shows that because as we as we see in canada when we are elected you know choosing our elected officials um, the different platforms they have kind of different focuses or mandates and um it's not only just what they look what what they're focusing on for health as we've seen throughout this model health is you know intertwined through everything so if a government that's focusing on things like um employment or um you know climate and climate change in the environment these factors indirectly influence um your overall population health and therefore deciding on who to elect um, to power ultimately has an impact on the health of the population yeah and and there's a trickle-down effect right when you know these policies are enacted at these high levels they make their way down to different institutions and um, interpersonal relationships and at the individual level so it's almost this trickling down effect from this uh, from this high level of policy and in one of our previous episodes we talked about um, health taxes and you know we talked about things like smoking so smoke free legislation is no different in that it's a legislation that simultaneously affects the population and the rules and regulations about 
where it's allowed that you can smoke. So the, this influences the population levels uh, in terms of their ability to be healthy and individual level behavior as well. Um, and that's why in public health, you always hear the term health in all policies because mm-hmm. um, policy is the, um, if executed correctly, has the ability to have the longest and most impactful change in terms of public health and health outcomes. I want to raise a question. So out of these five different spheres of influence that we talked about, people might be wondering, is there one that's more predominant or um, allow for a stronger effect or a bang for your buck kind of mm-hmm. approach? Like, hey, can I just target this level? But um, I guess also what, if you're wondering that, you would. Um, it, I also go back to my point about how for any effective strategy it's important to consider all these levels but for someone who's asking is there a specific level that's more important what would you say to that there's certain situations where an individual or person an individual movement or individual agency based on their capacity and resources might not be able to target several spheres of influence simultaneously however that's why in public health we also um, value collaboration with other agencies that have the wherewithal and knowledge to address um, other levels of sphere of influences so that collectively there can be a bigger impact. Great political answer. (laughs) (laughs) You've just heard from LaShawn, Linda, Sully, Will, and myself about the origins of the socio-ecological model, the five spheres of influence which are the individual, interpersonal, institutional, community, and society and their role in population health. Join us in the next episode to hear a conversation about the applications of the socio-ecological model to public health practice. My name is Gordon, your host for this episode, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make public health viral.